This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Hi, this is Tony Tolado. On the surface, the film Linoleum looks like a sci-fi film that takes some chances. But I believe that it actually has some reality-based themes. The film's composer is Mark Hadley, and we spoke about his music for the film. Mark, it's great to talk to you about this. Um, and we're going to talk about this and also some other things you've done. But uh, Linoleum, really interesting film. I saw a video you did uh, for Spacewalk, and I loved what you said. And I wish more people would, would kind of go in the same direction, essentially saying that it has to kind of touch you and reach you before you start to write it. Because obviously, if it touches you, you can pass that on to us, the audience, a little bit. Is that something you discovered, or is that always part of what makes you mark? First, Tony, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. Given that music is really an expression of emotion at its core, I have always found that I do my best work when I can express myself as authentically as possible. So when something really resonates with me, uh, I find that that's kind of the most effective art that I can produce as far as how it will resonate with others as well. The track I heard, two things kind of touched me. I, I heard love and and also really what Jim Gaffigan's character really is about. Uh, he's a dreamer. As much as anything, he is. He, this is his dream to go into space. So, and it's amazing that the music captured that. But it was such a a lovely melody. You saw his love for his wife, and vice versa. And you also saw that he is essentially dreaming is in his DNA. Absolutely. I mean, dreaming. The whole concept of dream and love and memory. Uh, was fundamental to everything that I tried to write for this film. It was all these things were uh, part of the conversation with writer and director Colin West from the very onset of the project and was something that I continued to come back to as the DNA for all the music that I wrote for this film. Sci-Fi Talk returns in a moment. One of the things that I know you've done uh, in particular is that you bring people in to play an instrument. It could be a cello or, or a horn, for example. Uh, was there any those type musicians used for this particular piece? Absolutely. I did bring in musicians to play on linoleum. I worked with a string quartet. Now, when I was writing the music for this film, it was basically peak COVID. It was early 2021. So everything was remote. I assembled a quartet remotely out of Chicago because I had been working with a cellist there, Tahira Whittington, on a few other projects. And I'd really loved working with her. And I knew that she was kind of who I wanted to bring into this. And she helped me contract a quartet. And we recorded remotely. In addition to her recording, Tahira recording a lot of things on her own that I weaved throughout the whole score, a lot of textural ideas and sort of generative ideas. Um, throughout the score, there's this sort of theme. Uh, you hear kind of a a bit of a knocking that almost sounds like a clock or something. And that's part of 
what she recorded, which is just the backside of her bow played against the strings of a cello, which is called Collegno. Um, and so you get this kind of woody pluck sound. So yeah, collaboration is huge for me. I love working with musicians. They bring so many great ideas to the table. And I find that it just expands and broadens the whole scope of, of what something can be. Do you manipulate any of those sounds a little bit to kind of Absolutely. fit the piece? Absolutely. Um, it's kind of one of my favorite things to do is to take uh, at the beginning of any kind of project is to have what I would like to call a generative session where I work with a musician to create a sort of small library of sounds that then I can take the audio of these sounds and bring them into all sorts of different contexts throughout the score and change the pitch of them, change the tempo of them. A lot of times I'll load them into a sampler or a hardware device and then even further manipulate them to create new sounds out of the existing sounds. So that's a huge part of my process. Yeah, the thing I also love about your music is that it's so layered and textured. It's like you have the right sounds that kind of enhance the main sound or melody of the piece. And I that's very impressive. Um, how did you discover that? Is that something that, I guess with the technology that's available now makes it, I wouldn't say easier, but it's available. I guess that's the best word to say. Well, thank you so much for that compliment. Um, I've always been attracted to music that has a sort of complexity to the textures that are in it. I think, you know, any musician or composer is really in a lot of ways a product of their inspiration and influence. So I have just, because I like music that is very textured and I find as a listener, I'm very compelled by how immersive a piece can feel. It has just become part of how I create music as well. I find that, you know, melodies and harmonies can certainly elicit emotion and put you in a certain place, but textures and atmosphere can really add such a depth of feeling that uh, it's really, those kinds of things are so important to create the whole experience, especially when you're talking about film music. And to your point, of course, technology and the types of gear that I've created my studio out of over the course of years, if I've as I've sort of delved into what is my sound and what are the things I enjoy? It is conducive to creating these sort of textural elements and manipulating sounds to create atmospheres or soundscapes and this kind of thing. Is there an instrument of choice that you use to write and maybe play with a melody before it becomes part of the score? Certainly. I mean, I, I tend to always start at the piano. Playing piano is probably the greatest joy in my life. I love it. It brings me so much peace and happiness. And even though there are incredible limitations to it, you know, even down to the fact that you hit a note and it rings out and it decays and it will end versus like a string where you can bow it forever uh, or a synth that will drone on forever. Um, it's still a wonderful tool to establish harmony and melody pacing and tempo 
And then there are all sorts of other instruments that I go to to create what we were just talking about, the more atmospheric, textural, the sonic world that we're living in, if you will. So you mentioned influences. What who were some of your influences, especially in the composing side? The first time I ever noticed film music was a, a movie called Revolutionary Road that was done by Thomas Newman. So yeah. at the and before I had really gotten into film music, I was studying jazz guitar. So, you know, going back to the jazz world, Wayne Shorter was a huge influence of, oh, as a composer. Yeah. Of course, Pat Metheny was like my idol for a long time. And then once I got into film music, I was really into Thomas Newman, Carter Burwell, Clint Mansell was a huge influence on me. His score for Moon was kind of a, a moment for me where I was like, wow, film music can sound like this. That is so cool. And then contemporary influences, of course, Colin Stetson, Alex Summers, Mika Levy. So, and then, you know, popular music too. I, I produce and have my own artist project. Sun Lux is a huge influence on me. So yeah, I, I listen to a broad range of music, really. Oh, that's cool. You mentioned that you have you have your own site and your original music that's not for film scores or TV scores. It's for, it's essentially your own expression as an artist itself. So talk about that a little. As a, as a working composer for all sorts of things, you are at the end of the day, always working for somebody, which is a delight. Collaboration is beautiful. Um, that being said, that's not why I started playing music to begin with. I started playing music because it felt really good. It's an expression. It's an outlet. And so I just sort of realized at a certain point that it was important to me to be able to still maintain this sort of 100% authentic outlet of my own expression to create music where I'm not writing it for anybody else. I'm writing it for me. Also, sort of recognizing on a more practical level that there was a trend happening in film music where more and more artists were being hired to do film scores. And I thought, well, if I can really establish myself as an artist and create a sound that is 100% authentic to me, hopefully filmmakers and other creators will then seek me out for that sound. And I, because I don't want to be a composer that is hired for whatever to to be a chameleon. I want to create the music like we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation that is really authentic to me, that really resonates with me. And I think linoleum is a really a testament to that because this is music that I would make, you know, even outside of the film. So the the artist project mine is called Hark Madly, and it's very important to me, and I love releasing original music under that. Very, very cool. I like that. It's good. It's good. Another another avenue of expression is never a bad thing. Totally. Correctly, space time is something I saw. And actually on my website today, actually on tw my Twitter account, I reposted the video where you explained and it was, a fa I was riveted. I was like, because I obviously I do some audio editing, but not to the extent you do. But uh, it was like, wow, it's so amazing and how you manipulated the sounds and just bed after bed, like even a smallest sound where he puts on the space helmet and you put something there. And then you even got him to come in and, and record some, some, you know, a sound 
And then you manipulated that too. It's like, wow, that's, uh, and that was just for the opening that I saw. It was just a small piece. And that had a lot of layers to it. More with Mark Hadley in a moment. Uh, amazing stuff. I urge everybody to see this. It's really an amazing video, especially if you're an inspiring composer or just love to hear how music is done. It's on YouTube. I highly recommend it. Or also on my Twitter account, at Sci-Fi Talk, if you want to watch. Thank you, Tony, for reposting that video and for for the uh, compliments on it. That was really fun. Um, you know, to your point about hitting a certain moment where the helmet happens or whatever, I I love the synchronicity of music and visuals. You know, obviously, that's a huge part of scoring films. Another part of what I do as a professional composer is work with advertisements and trailers where editing is even kind of a bigger element than a long form like film or something where, you know, the synchronization of music and visuals is of the utmost important. And I love to work closely with editors too on projects because that's really where it all comes together, I think. And then to your point about integrating Andrew into my piece and on the note of manipulating sounds I find that like the more I try to get the most mileage as I can out of sounds because it creates a cohesive feeling to the whole piece mm -hmm. so if you're using a sound and then you try to use that same sound in a wildly different way it's still coming from the same source and so that creates a natural thread of cohesion and I find that that is a helpful tool when you're trying to create a potent piece of art, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I urge everybody to do this. Watch the entire video then go back to the beginning and see the trailer for space time. And I, I swear you'll look at it in a totally different way. When you see all the elements that Mark has done and put together, it's just really an amazing uh, piece. It was really, really cool to see all that. You know, technology, it must be, uh, I mean, i it's a chore for me to keep up with everything that's coming out. So, I mean, it, you also go into detail in the video about the different things you use to optimize your sound. And it's all computer-based, which is amazing. I guess otherwise, in the old days, it would have been a huge board that's in my virtual background <laughs> behind me here. But, uh, but essentially, yeah, I mean, how do you keep up with everything that's coming out and and maybe maybe some of these companies even reach out to you to try some of their stuff? It's a great question. And it's something that I go through waves of. Sometimes I don't try to keep up. I just try to continue to use what I know and love and produce the work, the best work that I can using the tools that I know. And other times I'll see something new, whether it's software or hardware, that looks really interesting and inspiring. And I'll want to explore that. I feel like uh, experimentation is a major part of development as an artist. So getting a new tool, whether it's, again, software or hardware, can be incredibly inspiring to experiment with. And of course, you're going to come across results that you wouldn't have otherwise without that tool. I find that to your point, because there's so much mm -hmm. new, new stuff all the time, sometimes I get really overwhelmed by that. 
And so my response to that is to shut it all out and just be like, you know what? I have a lot already. I sh- I should be able to make what I want to with the things that I have. And so just trying to focus on that. A big part of my sound and what I do is using the modular synth. And because I've sort of built a bit a small audience within the modular synth community, I do have some some uh, manufacturers of this equipment that will send me new modules of theirs to use. And I'm so grateful and appreciative of that. And that's always a delight to experiment with new tools uh, in a way where sort of the decision part is taken out of it for me. Like I don't need to do research and look. They're just like, hey, we have this new thing. You want to mess with it? And I'm like, yes, I do. There you go. Well, you know, you've scored sports and things, but you've also scored horror. You worked for Blumhouse. So talk about that. You know, it's so easy with horror to kind of fall into musically the cliche that goes back to the beginning when Universal Studios and maybe even the silent films, uh, when the organist would play kind of like the musical tropes that we know and, and love for the most part. So when you approach that, how do you approach scoring a horror film as opposed to something like this, which is about a dreamer and his and a love of his wife? I love horror. I always have loved the genre. Some of my most influential, uh, some of the scores that have been most influential to me are horror scores. Mm-hmm. For example, It Follows. So I try to really focus on the sound design elements of, of horror films and like creating textures that are unsettling trying to do as much as you can with as little as possible as as few elements as possible and it really is quite fun because horror films sort of have like a more specific objective than perhaps other genres you really want the audience to feel a certain way and so there's quite a challenge sometimes with what how does music factor into that what is the role of music and horror when should music be happening how much should the music be responding to what's on the screen and how much should it stay out of the way but in general to answer your question i think my approach is more from a sound design perspective and trying to create sounds that create a feeling of of unease or tension discomfort yes as most good horror films do, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know what, I was actually talking to uh, an, like an indie horror film, and they did something very similar to the great composer Ligeti that was featured in 2001, where he mixed like a choir of all these different voices. Yep. And, and it, it was sort of like, for 2001, it was like, something's going to happen here, but we're not sure what it is. But, it, you know, it, it totally got you paying attention to what was going on. Um, so have you ever, you know, tried to do something like that? Or is that something you might want to do someday? Absolutely. Uh, do you mean specifically with a choir? Element? With a choir, or it could actually be maybe a few singers. And of course, you can manipulate each one. So it sounds like it's more than it is. Totally. Totally. Yes. And I, I Ligeti is a composer that I often will listen to when I want inspiration in this sort of like ultimate tension kind of world. And it's very interesting to me, especially when you are talking about using the human voice, because that's like the most natural sound 
to us as human beings. Uh, so to create that level of tension with it, with all these different notes that are stacked and and uh, dissonant with one another is very interesting. Yeah, I love the overlapping of it. It just, it, it doesn't give like a clear voice. It's just overlapping layer upon layer. And it just creates the right mood uh, for that. It really is amazing. Uh, and I, it's cool that you that you listen to him to uh, to to kind of get help you find something sometimes or to inspire you. I think that's great. So yeah, he's such an interesting composer, or was I should say. Um, as far as what is coming up for you, uh, what is are you working on anything right now? Yeah. So um, since Linoleum, I've I've scored another feature film called Canvas that will be uh, hitting the festivals in the next year or so, probably. I am always working on new um, commercial type projects, you know, in between the films. And I have a Hark Madly EP that will be coming out in April. So I'm very excited about that. It's called Joy. It's been very fun. And it's just getting to the final stages of getting ready to release it. So it's kind of a lot of prep work right now on that project. The music has been done for some time, but uh, that's what's sort of in the immediate future. I, I obviously hope to have another film come in. It's what I really love to do and sort of came out to LA to pursue is film composition. So, you know, hopefully Linoleum energizes that that cause and other yeah. than that, just trying to live live a good balanced life and spend time outside read books see friends see family that sounds like a good deal for all of us i mean yeah we're all trying to balance things up yes That's sometimes crazy. more successful than others i i totally hear you so as far as where people can get your music, is it Apple Music or other places or probably from your website, right? Yeah, so I re release all my music under Hark Madly. And it's on all the streaming services, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, whatever you listen to music on, Amazon Music. There's also a direct way to support me, which is to go to my Bandcamp page where you can actually buy the albums. And that is a great way just in general to support artists that you love because we all have heard about, you know, streaming being really not friendly to artists as far as an income perspective. Now, I'm not somebody who is trying to make my living off of streaming royalties per se, but that's not to say that it isn't meaningful when people choose to support me in a direct way on Bandcamp, for example. Yeah. So it's Bandcamp. Is that what it's called? Bandcamp. Yep, that's right. Cool. Cool. Yeah, that's a that's a good alternative to the other ones. So I like that. Totally. The linoleum score is up on my Bandcamp for five dollars, nice. so you can nice. go and buy it there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I know this. I I saw the uh, South by Southwest interviews with the cast and, and your director, and I mean they were. It was shot early into COVID, there were no vaccines at the time and stuff. And I mean, you have sort of an advantage because you can work in a confined space. So, but obviously they didn't have that. Uh, but it must have been, I mean, it must have been uh, weird 
doing a lot of the recording remotely with your other players, of course. But again, the technology today is amazing enough to allow us to do it. Like something like this that we're doing now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was cool to have the experience of recording the string quartet completely remotely and having a live feed going of audio and then a different live feed, or I'm sorry, a live feed of video and then a different live feed of high fidelity audio coming in. That was cool. I mean, yeah, I was I was alone writing the music for this movie in a room, which is not atypical for the composer's life. But I think, especially when you're talking about January, February 2021, almost a year into that thing, it was not an easy time emotionally. So the process for me of writing the music for this film, while I love the project and enjoy what I do, it was a difficult time and the process was made a little was made more difficult by the circumstances mm -hmm. i'm grateful that i in a broader sense had it really easy compared to a lot of people given that there wasn't a real transition to be made my work before covid was in a room by myself basically my work after covid is in a room by myself so there wasn't much change but i think just the natural emotional consequences for all of us that we were going through during the pandemic sort of made the process a bit challenging. As far as recording people now, I, I guess probably easier for them to come to your studio, especially the ones that are in the LA area. You mentioned the other quartets in Chicago. So obviously you have to do it remotely. Is that possible now uh, these days? Yeah, definitely. I have musicians to my studio frequently to do sessions now Everybody, you know, still making their own decisions about how they want to approach safety. So if a musician comes over and prefers, you know, to wear a mask, that's no problem. We do that. There's a bunch of musicians all over the country that I love to work with that I'll choose to work with and record remotely as well. And a lot of musicians at this point are very, um, they've had to adapt and become good at recording themselves at home, mm -hmm. especially accelerated because of covid so a lot of times we won't even have like a remote session where i'm i'm watching them or listening to them i'll just send them the tracks describe sort of what i would like and then they'll do it on their own time and send me send me the audio there you go yeah well, before we go i do have to mention that it looks like a mandolin behind you there on the wall yes yeah and that's actually there is to me every time i hear a mandolin there's just nothing like that sound and, yeah. and and they say it's a very difficult instrument to play. Yes. <laughs> you know, but it's great to see that. It is a difficult instrument because, and I'm not very good at it, but I am a guitar player at my core. So anything that's sort of strings and frets, like I can make my way around it. But the mandolin, given that each string is actually two strings, and on top of that, the frets are tiny. Yeah. You watch somebody like Chris Thiele and you're like, I don't even know how somebody can be this good at this instrument yeah i hear you i hear you well thank you for talking to me uh, mark it's been a pleasure and the film is linoleum uh it looks great great cast and uh, looks like a very promising director too and uh, best of luck with that i i think it's uh it's going to get some attention thank you tony i'm so appreciative of your time and your wonderful questions and your interest in my work and process. So thank you. I love composers. I've talked to quite a few of them. I've been very lucky. All right. Well, 
good to talk to you and uh, you take care and keep it up. Thank you, Tony. Take care of yourself. Look for the soundtrack CD for Linoleum and the film is available March 12th. This is Tony Talata.